We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? How y'all doing? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder, and I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And how the hell are you guys? Hope y'all had an absolutely wonderful 4th of July, unfortunately overshadowed by another, uh, another senseless shooting. I have no idea why those have gotten so common, but... It's horrible. I'm trying my best not to become desensitized to that stuff, but as you can probably tell, it's it's hard not to with with how common it's gotten. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna expand on that too much. But you know, it's 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 just it seems like you know for every good thing we've got going for us, there's there's an equally bad thing going, and it's uh, it's just rough. It's rough. That's about as eloquent as I can get. And can talk on it without a little bit of a, a forethought, unfortunately. But anyways, I still, despite the tragedy, uh, I hope that you had a wonderful 4th of July and got to spend some time with some friends and family and maybe do something a little bit dangerous. Who knows? We, we were treated with several videos of people people that unfortunately don't know how to celebrate. Uh, I mean, they're not always funny. Uh, uh, you know, horrible things can happen with any measure of explosives, but... Uh, sometimes you can't help but laugh. The uh, the backup terror, backup Terry, put it in reverse terror. Uh, I mean, if you have not seen that video, just search on YouTube backup Terry. Absolutely hilarious, just an all time internet video. I don't know if that was from this year or if it was already created, you know, from years past, and I just had never seen backup terror. Put it in reverse terror. <laughs> Oh Lord, it was so funny. Uh, you have to see it. So, anyways, back up Terry on YouTube. Today we will continue our 49ers pre-training camp roster breakdown. And I believe after a fine episode of quarterbacks and running backs, I never got anybody on Twitter telling me 
Where Are My Running Backs From? I will give you a hint. It is not a football movie. Where Are My Running Backs? Okay. I mean, that's probably an easy Google too. But in terms of your own cognitive recognition, we have a um, a standing challenge among the Louder family uh, movie quotes. I don't know what it is about me, my little brother, and my mom, but we all just, we all love movies and we could memorize movie quotes with the best of them. It's quite ridiculous. And there are so many times where one of us will throw just an obscure movie quote at the other person and the other person will get it to our surprise, no matter. It obviously has to be a movie that we think all of us have seen, but it's just, it's all, it's just something that we do as a louder family. So that's why movie quotes come up on this podcast so often. But anyways, where are my running backs? Figure out where it's from. If you got to Google it, it's fine. I, I, I still would appreciate the effort, but um, if you know, you know, all right, not a football movie. So quarterbacks, running backs, and now we are on wide receivers. But before we can get to those fine folks, we got more quarterback stuff. I feel like the quarterbacks have always got to find a way to work themselves into the conversation. Kind of selfish, you know, they're kind of selfish people, but Baker Mayfield supplanted by Deshaun Watson, or at least the specter of Deshaun Watson, who knows how much we're going to see of him this season, has taken his bags and moved on over to Carolina to join the Panthers. The Browns trading Baker Mayfield to the Panthers for a fifth-round pick and some salary compensations. Um, The Browns are going to pay part of Baker Mayfield's salary, and... Uh, the Panthers are going to pay the rest. So uh, Baker Mayfield's out of there. Deshaun Watson supposed to be the guy there, but he is in a whole hell of a lot of legal trouble that I'm sure all of you know about. So we'll, who knows when he will make his debut as the Browns starting quarterback. But Baker, Baker Mayfield's out of there, and that eliminates probably the most popular option when it came to trading one James Francis Garoppolo. There's a full name for you. Jimmy G was it's obviously still a 49er. And that poor young lady has been drawing Jimmy Garoppolo on Twitter for like half a year now, I believe. Sorry for the pause. I had to clear my throat. She she started drawing Jimmy Garoppolo, drawing Jimmy Garoppolo every day until he gets traded. Search that up on Twitter. And they're awesome little drawings, cute, fun. Hilarious, uh, but she, what if Jimmy Garoppolo never gets traded? Because that's in the tagline: drawing Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo every day until he gets traded. Is she going to keep drawing Jimmy Garoppolo every day if he gets released? Because he never got traded. So how can you stop? You're going against everything you've you've said, everything you're made of. Anyways, I'm just being ridiculous. So the Panthers have been eliminated as an option for Jimmy Garoppolo, but that also sort of open up the, opens up the Browns as an option, given the odds are very good that Deshaun Watson will either miss the entire season from the sound of it, or at least a big chunk of the season, and the Browns are built to win. They're a solid football team. Um, so who knows? I'm going to take a trip over to the Browns' website to see who else 
they got on their quarterback depth chart. And I believe I know, but no, I do not want to sign up for Browns notifications. Holy smokes, the Browns website is like super slow. There we sort of go. No, I'm clicking team. It's it's not working. Wow. The 49ers website works way better than the Browns website. In case you were wondering, you try and click on team, it just doesn't do anything. I'm clicking on roster, it just doesn't do anything. I believe J- is Jacoby Brissett on the Browns? Because anyways, what I was going to say is if the, I, I thought I read that at some point. And if that is the case, as I Google right now, something that I should have Googled before pressing the record button, if that is, yeah, Jacoby Brissett is on their roster. And if that's the case, he they may consider Brissett good enough to get them through the dark days of waiting for Deshaun Watson. But I would only see that being the case if Deshaun Watson was not suspended for an entire season. Because I doubt the Browns would see it as appropriate to ride into the season expecting Brissett to be the starter all year while Watson deals with his legal troubles. Now, another thing that just is at the top of my mind as far as a reason that Jimmy Garoppolo may not be a part of the Browns' plans is because he's due $27 million. Who knows how much the Browns are going to have to pay Watson with whatever punishment he ends up receiving, which seems almost guaranteed at this point that he's going to get punished in some way by the league. That doesn't happen. It'd be very surprising. So you've got whatever salary Watson's due, whether he's playing or not, which I think if he doesn't play is not much. And then you've got the part of the salary that they're paying to trade Baker Mayfield to get him off their roster. And then would they be willing to absorb Jimmy Garoppolo's $27 million contract? Now, maybe they could find a rate. I I couldn't see them wanting to rework it because, again, they've got Watson, who they sold their soul to get. So still an option. Maybe the Texans don't like what they see out of Davis Mills. Maybe they pick up the phone. You got Nick Casario, their GM, who's got a lot of experience, who was on the Patriots when they drafted slash had Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. So, but at this point, I would say that it's, anyways, we'll work our way towards that. I don't even want to talk about that too much. Uh, Colin Cowherd and Mike Silver were on a podcast, on Cowherd's podcast, and they had a conversation just about the 49ers quarterback situation. They kind of mo- Some of the conversation had to do with what we've are, I've already talked about right now, where Jimmy Garoppolo could possibly go now that the way the situation has unfolded. One thing that Mike Silver posed was, do the 49ers really care? Like, Are they not releasing Jimmy Garoppolo? One, they don't have to yet, but two, would they not release Jimmy Garoppolo in the fear that he would sign with the Seahawks? Uh, that was the question Mike Silver posed. I don't think so. I don't necessarily think the 49ers would be all that worried about the Seahawks with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is not Russell Wilson, and I would not expect that team to threaten the 49ers. But it's a thought. It's a thought. The one thing that they talked about quite a bit was keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, trying to get him to take a pay cut. Now, Mike Silver did say, why would Jimmy Garoppolo take a pay cut when he doesn't have to? To me, that's an easy answer. If the 49ers are the 49ers 
entirely unlikely to keep him as a $27 million backup. If they did that to me, that's disgusting. But if Jimmy Garoppolo were to be released at this point, what are the odds that a, that a, a team is going to pay him half of $27 million? Very low. They, they don't need to. There's, there's no one else competing with them for a Garoppolo contract. So to me, it would be easy for Garoppolo's camp to look at the situation and say, well, we're not going to get that much money on the open market at this point unless a quarterback gets, gets hurt, which, you know, I'm not, you know, no one's necessarily counting on. So to me, that opens up a window where Garoppolo, is, the 49ers would say, okay, Jimmy, we will pay you $10 million to be Trey Lance's backup. And I think that Garoppolo, and it could be less than that. And I think Garoppolo and his minions would give that some thought. But here's the problem. Here's where I just go, beep, pump the brakes, let's slow down. It just seems like it would be very difficult for Trey Lance to be the man when Jimmy Garoppolo's still chilling there and still getting paid a decent amount of money. It's like, you know, it would just be tough for the locker room and for Trey Lance himself to be all in on Trey Lance with Jimmy Garoppolo still chilling there. And as much as so many people want to act like locker room dynamics and the psychology of a football roster and football itself doesn't exist, it does. And you have to think about the way teams are going to react to stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo, like Colin Cowherd said, is a likable, likable guy. He's one of the most liked guys in the locker room. No one's ever, I mean, other than Julian Edelman, who apparently didn't care for Jimmy Garoppolo's toughness, no one's ever said anything bad about Garoppolo. Like, everybody likes him. And having him in that room where Trey Lance is expected to be the unquestioned dude that they traded you know, a bevy of first round picks for would be difficult. And and especially if Trey Lance starts to struggle, which which first year starting quarterbacks, I almost said rookie, should be allowed to do. New quarterbacks should be allowed to struggle without any threat of losing their jobs because that's part of development. I'm not saying, I mean, I mean, look at all the new quarterbacks that just joined the NFL last year that struggled. And that is part of their process. You have to do it. Very rarely does a quarterback just hit the ground running and they're like, hey, here we go. I'm going to be great. Can't all be Pat Mahomes. So those struggles should be allowed. Now, would the 49ers be willing to let Trey Lance go through those struggles with Jimmy Garoppolo chilling there? It would be hard for them to do that because they have a roster built to win now. And to me, the, the temptation wouldn't seem impossible not to fall back into the jawline of, of Jimmy Garoppolo with him sitting there and Trey Lance struggling. Now, obviously if Trey Lance is playing that bad, it it could be considered irresponsible not to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. But at the same time, I just, I'm sitting here fully prepared to watch Trey Lance do some dumb shit. And to me, I, I, I don't look forward to it, but I welcome it because I know that that's going to be part of the process. Nobody gets great at something without making mistakes and learning from them on the way, especially at the NFL level. So I've never been of the impression that the 49ers need to keep Jimmy Garoppolo as an insurance policy in case Trey Lance starts to make these mistakes. 
So uh, even if Garoppolo took a massive pay cut, I just don't think the benefits of having him on the roster outweigh the negatives that it would create with him there. It, it just, there's too much history there. You can't just keep living with your ex while you're dating somebody else. It doesn't work. It, I hope you guys can see where I'm coming from. Because, I mean, in all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, a, a football team's job is to win. And to me, having Jimmy Garoppolo on that roster keeps the team in position to win no matter what happens, but it also just creates this tension, this this fissure of, well, Jimmy Garoppolo was starting last year. We got to the NFC Championship game. Why didn't? Why are we having to go through Trey Lance when we got Jimmy sitting right here? And that could very well be an option, but that's the kiss of death for uh, for a, a Lance, for a young quarterback. Uh, hey, you know what? You went out there, you did your best, but we're going to go with the other guy. And you keep learning, and then we'll go with you again next year when you're better. Like, oh, man. I just cringe thinking about it. So that's kind of a grim prognostic of what could happen next year. Just what I'm saying is I don't think it's worth it to keep Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster at this point. No matter what gets said about Trey Lance's arm fatigue, which Cowherd said as they were trying to adjust his throwing motion, Trey Lance would legitimately need time off because his arm was sore, kind of like a pitcher, which seems it's not something that really exists in football. The throwing motion of a quarterback is not nearly as taxing as the throwing motion of a of a pitcher. And I mean, that's like the 37th time someone's brought up Trey Lance's arm fatigue. I don't know who's out there talking about it. It seems ridiculous, but it's been so widely talked about that I guess we sort of have to buy it and swallow it a little bit, but it just seems silly. And I, it would not surprise me if once the season starts, we never hear about it again. And it wouldn't surprise me if, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's going to protect his players no matter what, but if he was asked about Lance's arm fitness, I'm assuming he would laugh to an extent. Because you're asking somebody about somebody's arm fitness. And it seems the NFL world has done everything within its power to come up with a reason to doubt what Trey Lance can be. And I'm not like, you know, it's us against the world over here. I'm not trying to plant my flag in front of the 49ers and say, I will defend you to the death. It's just has gotten to a point where it seems ridiculous. We've, we've landed on arm fitness. Like who the hell has even talked about that before? It's, it's silly. It's silly. Now, Mike Silver said that when it came to the 49ers, the things they loved about Trey Lance were that he was really smart, really smart. And I've heard that a few times too. Elite intelligence, which to me is right up there at the top for what you want your quarterback to have. Because if Trey Lance can see defenses and his own offense like Kyle Shanahan can, then you've got the chance for amazing things. If Trey Lance can be out there on the field thinking about things like Kyle Shanahan is on the sideline, you're, you're in business. you know. So that's a very positive thing. Really smart, obviously athletic, a great arm. 
But the big question mark in terms of Mike Silver and Colin Cowherd was, can he be as accurate as Jimmy Garoppolo? And despite some of the decisions that Jimmy Garoppolo made, he was always pretty damn accurate. He just accurately threw it to linebackers too. But Jimmy Garoppolo would take two or three steps and he would fire that ball to his target. Tight windows or no tight windows, it was usually pretty accurate. And that would unlock the yards after the catch of Debo Samuel, Brandon IU, Trent, uh, George Kittle. And, you know, they were they brought up a, a valid point that maybe the 49ers are a bit worried about will Trey Lance's accuracy hinder us from those yards after the catch type plays because receivers are having to adjust to the ball, catch the ball and fall down. Uh, you know, we're this is all speculation from here, but they also kind of intertwined it with our first wide receiver on the depth chart, one Debo Samuel. How's that for a transition, baby? Now, they said that they didn't know it was purely speculation, but maybe one of the reasons Debo Samuel wanted out from the 49ers so badly was because he knew that Trey Lance was coming and he may not be the asset that he has proven himself to be with a quarterback that's not as accurate, that doesn't allow for him to build up those yards after the catch. Now, again, Complete speculation. We'll see what Trey Lance has throughout training camp and, you know, as we get there. But it's a thought. And I'm not, to me, to be honest, I know I've just spent about 10 minutes talking about it all, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of done talking about what Trey Lance can and cannot do. I'm pretty much ready to just see it. You know, so I, I would say, that I, along with you, should take all this stuff with a grain of salt and just read about it if you want to, hear about it, think about it. But it's not going to be very long at all, less than a month, before we start hearing about what Trey Lance can do in a legitimate football setting like training camp. And we'll go from there. Because all this shit about arm fitness and what you know, everything we've talked about, it's... It's getting old. <laughs> it really is. So, we've got Debo Samuel. And before we hit Debo Samuel, I need to mention Trent Williams, 49ers, left tackle, has officially become the first ever Madden player to be given a 99 rating. Shout out to you, Trent. The freakiest looking dude in the NFL. If I had to pick one person that would there would be a, a massive tournament gauntlet of fights, mixed martial arts fights, where every, you know, a battle royale of NFL players in hand-to-can combat, I would pick Trent Williams to win. Yes, over Aaron Donald. All you have to do is look at Trent Williams and go, what the hell is that? Anyways, the first ever offensive lineman to be given the 99 rating. We all know that's deserved. He's the best left tackle in the NFL. He's the best offensive lineman in the NFL. And uh, good on John Lynch for making that happen because, boy, has that worked out. My goodness. My goodness. So, moving on. Debo Samuel. Debo freaking Samuel. Posted on Instagram today replying to Brandon Ayuk about how the 49ers have one of the best 
wide receiver tandems in the NFL. And let me see what the, let me, let me give you an actual description. Um, so it was an NFL post that said who has the best returning wide receiver duo in the league. And it's Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, a picture of them. I don't know if that was who they decided had, had the best returning duo, but then Brandon Ayuk put that on his story saying, I like us gang. And then added Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel put that on his story and said, of course, with a picture of a snake and a fingers crossed. So I don't know what that means, but it's at, it's at least good that Debo Samuel acknowledged that he's a member of the 49ers, which because at a time he had deleted all the, all references to the 49ers on his social media. So it's a good thing that at least he's acknowledging that he's on the team. So maybe he's starting to come around to the idea that, hey, I'm going to be playing football for the 49ers this year, so I might as well start to act like I'm on the team. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to make too much out of that, but at, at the very least, he's he's posting a picture on his Instagram of him in a 49ers roster. Like, that's sweet, right? Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Debo Samuel, there's nothing more to be said about Debo Samuel that we haven't already said. Everybody knows what he is and what he means to the offense. Will the 49ers work it out and get him paid? We'll see. Training camp is a few weeks away. I would expect for it to happen before they started training camp so that he could be a part of it. But who knows? You know, obviously we're talking about a long-term contract. It's going to have long-term ramifications. They can't just rush into it. Now, I've said this before, but I understand reservations the 49ers may have when it comes to giving Debo Samuel elite wide receiver money. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but to me, there's reason for pause. You know, Debo Samuels had a little bit of injury injury struggles. He has only had one season that to me was clearly elite, which is his last season. He was good up until that. He was good. He's always been good. 
We know that. He's always been great. But this year was different. You know, 77 catches for 1,400 yards, six touchdowns. He also added 59 carries for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. This was a special year. But when you compare that to what he's done in the past, it it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. And I can see why the 49ers have pumped the brakes a little bit. Let's review all of this. Let's figure out how we want to approach this. If we're going to pay Debo, Debo, how are we going to pay him? What's his contract going to look like? How's the money going to be distributed? Because they're worried. They're worried. Is he going to be able to maintain this type of production? Now, remember, before the 49ers even started using Debo Samuel as a running back, he was leading the league in receiving yards. 189 yards, 93, 52, 156, 58, 100, 171, 63, 97. And then, literally, you can see the switch being flipped in Jacksonville. All of a sudden, Debo Samuel now has eight carries for 79 yards, six carries for 66 yards, eight carries for 37 yards, and only one catch for 22 Six carries, five carries, seven carries, eight carries. So you can see where the 49ers got in trouble in terms of the running game and had to lean on Debo Samuel's ability to run the ball. Now, part of what made Debo Samuel's season so special was him running the ball like that. And But apparently, one of his sticking points is he doesn't want to do that anymore. So he's got to go back to being a receiver, which, like I was saying, even when he was just a receiver, he was putting up huge numbers and competing for the lead in receiving yards right along with Cooper Cup. So there's still a lot of a reason to pay him, even if he's going to go back to just being a receiver. But again, you're, 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 the player's telling you, I don't want to be as special as I was last year, which what he could do on the ground was just as special as what he was doing on the air. We saw it. Everyone remembers the, uh, the, the uh, give me the ball play, and then Debo Samuel gets the ball and takes I think it was against the Cowboys. Take Gets the ball and goes and scores on the very next play. Looks at Kyle Shannon and says, give me the ball. Kyle Shannon gives the ball. They score from about 30 yards out. So, And, and that was a run. So, you know, but I do also believe that when Kyle Shanahan, once Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel start to cook, Debo Samuel's just going to want the ball. And if some of those are still on the ground, he's going to be down. So at the very t- – now – one thing that we have to mention before we move on, Washington Commanders receiver Terry McLaurin, part of Debo Samuel's draft class, just signed a three-year extension worth up to $71 million. Now, that includes his last season of his deal, so they're adding those years on. I'm not sure how the money's distributed. I'm not sure about – I don't care about all that. But, you know, that 20 Four twenty-three million dollar. That's it again with all the other contracts we've seen for wide receivers. That's where they're going to need to be. Are the 49ers prepared to pay Debo Samuel twenty-three, twenty-four, maybe twenty-five million dollars a year? Does it always add up like that? No, of course not. But that might be what they have to do if they want to keep him here. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But obviously, at the very top of the depth chart is Debo Samuel. And then right behind him is Brandon Ayuk. Like they were talking about on Instagram, no matter what happens after this point with those two guys, you feel great. Two insanely talented receivers. Brandon Ayuk, to me, is getting slept on. He went through his struggles 
The one thing I wanted to do, but didn't get a chance to do it before I hopped on here is before last season, me and KP were predicting, making their our predictions, and I predicted that Brandon Ayuk would have a 1,400-yard season. Now, one thing I would like to know, he spent so much time in the doghouse where he wasn't doing much, and as the season went on, it really started to pick up. 45 yards on week seven. You know, before that, you had six, 32, 15 yards, 37 yards. But in week seven, 45 yards, 89 yards, 26, 85, 91, 55, 62, 36, 40, 94, 107, uh, 66, over 66 twice in the playoffs. So I wonder what pace he was on if that, if the season started strong. He would have been into the thousand, over a thousand yards. Would he have gotten to 1200? I want to say just by my, my visual math. Probably would have been about 1,200 yards if he would have started out as strong as he finished, which is still very impressive. Not quite to the mark that I had him at, but he is a legitimate wide receiver 1.5. Like, I believe he's capable of much more than what we've seen him. Will Trey Lance unlock that? We'll see. But obviously, no one's down on a 56-catch, 826-yard season with five touchdowns. But he can do much more than that, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Now, obviously, there was all the talk about his state of mind, how committed he was, have, having to have conversations with Kyle Shanahan about kicking it in gear. Who knows what's going on with that? Hopefully, that's in the past. It seems like it was. He, uh, Brandon Ayuk openly talked about it. Um, I believe even Trent Williams had something to say about it at times. So it seems like that's in the past, and... We're primed for a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk season. Obviously, you got George Kittle in the mix, too. Those two sit unquestioned at the top of the depth chart, and right behind them also could tentatively say unquestioned is Juwan Jennings. New 49ers quarterback Charvarius Ward was pretty quick to mention Juwan Jennings, say that guy is more talented than I thought he was. And he's a big target, 6'3", 215 pounds, may even be more than that now. Trey Lance, in my, I am going to guess that Trey Lance is going to like throwing to Jawan Jennings because he's a receiver that looks like a tight end. And young quarterbacks love big targets, and that's what Jawan Jennings does. And Charvarius Ward said that Jawan Jennings was getting open. He was moving well. We heard about him having good a good offseason program so far. And it would not surprise me if Juwan Jennings starts to insert himself as a serious part of this offense. We really saw towards the end of the season that although Jennings was not, he wasn't making massive plays, but you know, his last game of the season against the, the Rams, he had six catches for 94 yards. And I believe that was a must-win game for the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. My memory sucks. But if you roll back from there, two catches, two catches, three catches, three catches, one catch, two catch. But during that spree, it seemed like every single one of those catches was to move the chains in a pivotal moment. And he just, him and Jimmy Garoppolo developed a chemistry and he had a knack for making plays when the 49ers needed them. And that is, those are good signs. You're talking about a seventh round pick that suffered a, a serious leg injury during his first year on the practice squad. I believe he tore his quad from the bone. Um, he's going to have a legit say in this season. 
And despite the fact that the 49ers drafted a receiver in the third round, I believe that Juwan Jennings is, is going to be a big part of this offense. Um, we'll see what that looks like. But I'm excited to see him play because between Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Juwan Jennings, that receiving core is looking nice. And Juwan Jennings is developed to a point where, no, he cannot take on a Debo Samuel role if Debo Samuel were to get hurt. But you're talking about a guy getting additional snaps if there's an injury that you can, I believe the 49ers will be able to lean on. That's not saying that he brings the same things to the table as and a Samuel or Ayuk, of course not. But he does seem like he's getting to the point of being a receiver that can that can is capable of more than what he's already done. I'm excited about Jennings. I really am. To me, I have the same exciting excitement about Jennings as I did about Brett, Kendrick Bourne as he developed into his role. I was a Kendrick Bourne fan since his first training camp practice, and you know that kind of developed into a, into a cool little story. And I could see Jennings kind of authoring himself something very similar. I really could. So we're looking pretty good so far for the 49ers. The 49ers have uh, are going to have a very solid receiving core. Coming up right behind him, you could say Danny Gray's next on the Jeff chart, depth chart. You could say Ray Ray McLeod, the return specialist they signed. Um, it really kind of from here on out, at the very least, when it comes to Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray, I, I I feel very strongly that both are going to be on the roster. Danny Gray is a third-round pick. He's going to be on the roster. Ray Ray McLeod was signed to be that return guy that the 49ers have struggled with lately. And I don't know how much the 49ers plan to use McLeod in the passing game, but I know that we've heard plenty of, of, of insistence that he wasn't just signed to be a returner. Now, has he ever made big waves as a receiver? No. This last season was his best year as a receiver, and he had 38 catches. Oh, excuse me. No, he did not. He had 38 returns for 367 yards. I was looking at his return stats. But, I mean, he was right there. 39 catches for 277 yards, no touchdowns. So you're not necessarily getting somebody that's expected to make waves in the passing game. But again, he was signed for his return ability. 38 returns, 367 yards in the punt game, averaging 10 yards of return, which is solid. Um, it doesn't Averaging 10 yards of return doesn't seem like a lot, but it's not bad. He also had 40 kick returns, excuse me, 35 kick returns for 776 yards, average 22 yards of return. That's solid. It, it's just... To me, the 49ers were lacking the knowledge of a punt and kick returner. When to catch the ball, take it out of bounds. When to catch the ball, take it upfield. When to ig- ignore the ball. When to let it hit. When It seemed like the 49ers, especially under Richie James and whoever they put back there over the last two or three years, did not know what to do. So hopefully along with a new special teams coordinator and an experienced return man, they can tighten that up. Special teams can win you games. We saw that. Uh, you know, 49ers had one of the worst special teams units in the NFL last year. But in a pivotal moment against Green Bay in the playoffs, they won them the game. So we'll see what he does. We'll see if Ray Ray McLeod is a part of the 49ers receiving core. He's got speed. We know that Kyle Shanahan might want to take advantage of that. But or they could lean towards Danny Gray, who was a legit six or excuse me, legit four three receiver. 
that they drafted in the third round at SMU. Not small, 6'1", 180 on the skinnier side. I would like to see Danny Gray convert his speed into dangerous route running more. I know that Crocker and I were talking about this. He is fast. 49ers players were already on video talking about how fast he is, but there's a way to run routes with speed that just like we've seen Tyreek Hill do it. You have to, if you can couple elite route running with elite speed, you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. And so I think that Gray needs to develop the route running part in, in it's in conjunction with his speed. It's running routes in a way that someone who knows they're hella fast should run them. Sorry, I had to clear my throat again. I don't like to edit stuff out if you haven't. Obviously, I'm not going to let you guys listen to me clear my throat, but I'll just straight up tell you. Sorry, I need to clear my throat. We're all human. So I Gray has a lot of potential. He's very fast. If they can develop his route running and, and, and take advantage of his speed and allow those routes to tailor to your speed and the fact that your speed is what gets you open along with your route running ability. Then, and, you know, he's got, he's got so, so hands. We'll see how those hands develop at the pro level. Everything is developable of developable and everything can improve. I'm excited to see what gray can do. I'm not as excited about gray as I am somebody like Jettings, but that's not fair. He's a rookie. We have yet to see what he can do. We have yet to see how Shanahan's going to use him. And, it's just something to watch. The dude averaged 16.4 yards per catch at SMU last year. He's uh he's he's a big play waiting to happen. He's somebody that's going to take the top off a of defense. They're going to have to respect his speed because as as critical as I am on Gray's route running, he can run straight. And that and a defense is going to have to respect that. So it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers use him. It'll be interesting to see how he develops uh, a chemistry with with Trey Lance, uh, who's got a big arm and can take advantage of Gray's speed. It's just a matter of Gray taking – you never just never know how obsessed somebody is with football because I'm telling you, if you want to learn to run good routes, everything is there for you to learn. There's so much good shit on the internet now that can walk you through so many scenarios of coverages, how to run routes against certain coverages, how to position yourself against a defensive back, how to attack a DB in any given scenario. There's like there's so much good stuff on the internet now that if if anybody wants to become a good route runner, the tools are all there. You have some grass do you have a friend that's willing to give you a little bit of a look? Like just, you know, chase after me a little bit, dude. And you've got all the, it's just, it's just a matter of how obsessed with you are, are obsessed. Are you with route running and are you willing to put in the work to become a good route runner? It's that simple. So I'm looking forward to seeing how much, uh, gray puts into that emphasis of his game and how that translates to the season. And cause like we just got done talking about, he's got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Juwan Jennings ahead of him. He's got a veteran return man in Ray Ray McLeod that could legit make a push to get on the field as a deep threat as well. He's got his work cut out for him, and we know Shanahan's just not automatically going to usher a rookie out there because he's a third round pick. He does. We know he doesn't. He doesn't play like that. So 
Gray's got his work cut out of him, but um, cut out for him. But I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And right behind him is Keyshawn Johnson, out of Fresno State. Spent some time on the Cardinals. Uh, uh, somebody that I watched every I watched every single one of his snaps over the last two years at Fresno State. At least two years. Um, he spent four years at Fresno State. He broke the uh, the record for receptions and yards. Uh, now, Devontae Adams was only in state for two years. So, smashing Devontae's records, it's not exactly what it seems. But Keyshawn Johnson is a good, good receiver. And it would not surprise me if he made a run. There, there are a couple. Let's say the 49ers are keeping six receivers. We've got Samuel Ayuk. Jennings, that's three. We've got McLeod, that's four. We've got Gray, that's five. There is an open spot for these players. There is an open spot. I probably have Keyshawn Johnson taking that spot. He's got a little bit of league experience. I've gone. I've only got his his college stats in front of me, but his last year at Fresno State, ninety five catches for thirteen hundred and forty yards and eight touchdowns, averaged 14 yards a catch. He's legit. 6'2", 200 pounds. He's not small. And it would not surprise me if he earned that last roster spot. Now, again, how much is he going to be able to do back there? Who knows? I mean, he was on on the Eagles roster last year, but his last year with Arizona – for the most part, at Arizona, he's, he got 30, he caught 36 passes for 360 yards and a touchdown. So he was never a big factor there. But obviously, Arizona's had a pretty respectable receiving core. So let's see if he can, uh, if he can make a run at that final roster spot. I wouldn't put it past him, but he's going to have some competition for it. The entire rest of this receiver depth chart is a melee to make that last spot. You've got Marcus Johnson. Out of uh, Indianapolis, spent some time with Tennessee as well. It started with Philadelphia. He's 6'1", 207, and has never really had any huge seasons. His best his best season was 17 catches for 277 yards and two touchdowns. So he's, he's never really caught. He's been in the league for six years, but he's never really caught on with any given team and really had a massive impact on any given team. Uh, I mean, he was averaging 16, 17, 18 yards a catch. So obviously a big play guy, but we'll see if he could work after that last spot. You've got Austin Mack had one year with the Giants. I'm not sure what happened to Austin Mack in 2021. I did a, a brief amount of searching, couldn't see, but in 20 in 2020, he only had seven catches for 91 yards. So uh, a bigger dude, 6'2", 215. I'm not entirely sure what to expect from him. You've got Taysir Mack, one of the 49ers undrafted free agents coming out of pit. Um, and in total, he had 161 catches for 2,369 yards and three touchdowns in his career at Pitt. 6'2", 190 pounds. But obviously, we know that Pitt doesn't pass the ball a ton. So there could be some something there left to be unlocked. But we'll see. There's a whole lot of with this six spot. If they're if the 49ers are keeping six receivers, which they're not even guaranteed to do, there's a whole lot of unknown coming at it. You got Tay Martin, pretty intriguing player. Had three years at Washington State, then had another two at Oklahoma State. In his last year at Oklahoma State, Tay Martin 
had 80 catches for 1,046 yards and 10 touchdowns. The dude is 6'3", 185 pounds, tall and skinny. But that is that is some serious production right there. Also added another touchdown on the ground. Uh, you know, maybe the 49ers would like to get a young guy uh, into that sixth spot that, that can develop under the likes of Samuel, Ayuk, and, you know, everybody we've already talked about. But I really have no idea what's going to go on with that, if I'm just kind of operating under the assumption the 49ers are going to keep six and fighting for that spot, you've got two Johnsons, a Mac. Two, you've got two Johnsons, two Macs, Tay Martin, Malik Turner. I, you know, I, I'm just, I am not exactly sure what to expect. Malik Turner did some time with Seattle, did some time with Dallas. His best season was with Seattle where he had 15 catches for 245 yards and a touchdown. So not a whole lot to speak of there. Another guy that's over six foot, 60, 200 pounds. We'll see. But the 49ers have a ton of competition in that spot. But from that position group as a whole, you have to feel good about it. How could you not feel good about what we hope will be a Debo Samuel, a Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings? And, uh, you know, we'll see what we get from Danny Gray. We'll see what we get from Ray River Cloud. But it should be an interesting group. And now the 49ers have a quarterback that doesn't have a problem throwing outside the numbers, that doesn't have a problem getting out of the pocket and creating plays on his own, which we should see passes getting thrown to wide receivers more than we did under Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo had no problem throwing the ball. But he was certainly an over-the-middle type guy. We have, in his short time playing for the 49ers, we have already seen Lance make some ridiculous outside-the-number throws. I am looking forward to that dynamic in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I'm sure he is, too. I'm sure he is, too. But, again, receivers, one of the most stacked position groups on this team, especially, obviously, that, that requires Debo Samuel be present. We'll see what happens with that, but... it's going to be a fun group to watch, man. There's training camp competition, preseason competition. I'm all, I always love it. I always love knowing that there's a receiver with the chance, the chips are stacked against them and they're going to do their best to claim that last roster spot, just like Kendrick Bourne did. And I think we're going to get that. You've got the group up top that you know what to expect. You know, they're going to be good. And then you've got some competition at the bottom. Um, and, and we may see somebody make make their stamp. I'm looking forward to, to figuring out who that's going to be. I'm going to be having my eye specifically on Tay Martin out of Oklahoma State. He uh, he may, you know, I, he's, he's a big dude that has a lot of production at, at the college level. We'll see what he's got. I think that's it, though, man. I think that we're going to stick with that, you know, with the quarterback stuff we had to talk about in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, next episode, we'll come at you guys with tight end with offensive line, probably combine those two. Um, And then we'll get into the defense, and that should take us to training camp, which cannot get here soon enough. Cannot get here soon enough. Uh, If you're an F1 fan, qualifying's tomorrow. The sprint is on Saturday, and then the race is on Sunday. I love the Formula One is is a huge – we have a a, me, dad, and my my brother Brett, we have a group chat called Louder Racing. One – because we actually have a go-kart track in our backyard. My dad and my brother, Brett, both race sprint cars, which I was never insane enough to, uh, to do. Um, but we're just all about racing. We've always been all about racing. And, you know, every Sunday morning at 6 a.m., because those races are so damn early, you can find 
me, dad, and Brett just chatting back and forth about the race. Doesn't matter what time it is. 4 a.m., we're up. We're up because obviously everybody knows that F1 travels the world. Some of those race times are just crazy times, uh, but it does not matter. We will wake up. Even if it's that early, we'll go back to sleep afterwards. But if you're an F1 fan, get on there. Great season so far. Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes duking it out. But hey, that's it for the Striking Gold podcast. Again, another episode down. They can't stop us. They just can't stop us. Still on the hunt for a co-host. Uh, I'm narrowing it down. We'll see. I do The plan, to be transparent, is by the time we get to training camp, we've got a new co-host on Striking Gold. But I'm not going to rush it. You can't, you can't fake that stuff. Um, and I think y'all have known that of all the co- the co-hosts and guests we've had in the past, the the chemistry has always been a one. And I want to make sure that's still the case. So, anyways, I appreciate all y'all for listening to Striking Gold. You're the real MVPs. You're the real reason this podcast exists. And some of y'all over the last week jumped on a uh, week or two, jumped on the the iTunes, left some some positive reviews. I appreciate that very much. If y'all are feeling positive, you're feeling giving. Jump on on whatever platform and, and leave us a positive review. I, I would appreciate it. But only if you mean it. Ain't no pity reviews around here. If you like Striking Gold, hop on your platform. Uh, leave us some stars. Give us a positive review. Do that thing. Make sure you guys are downloading. Obviously listening here. Listening, downloading, subscribing, passing it on to friends. That's, those are the numbers that the big people care about. So I appreciate it. Obviously, wouldn't be here if y'all weren't doing that already. But for another week. Another week, Strike and Gold, episode 223. I'm Rob, this is Strike and Gold, and we are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.